Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. Eddie Rats. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. It is another unofficial 40 is, uh, let's see, fall camp, preseason camp. It's not fall camp because it's not really fall yet, but we've always called it fall camp. Uh, But we are two weeks in now. Is that where we are? I believe so. Broadcasting here on the 10th on Thursday uh, or podcasting here. So uh, two weeks into camp, essentially, we've had uh, a lot of media access. Uh, one day to watch. We'll have another day next week to go watch some of camp as well. Uh, but we've, you know, we're now getting into the uh, deeper cuts of interviews out at practice. Uh, Will Johnson yesterday. Uh, I want to say Jordan Parker was out there. Uh, of course, we got to talk to uh, Mike Stoops again. Mike Stoops has talked a lot to the media, and uh, Ruffin McNeil, Ruffin Pardell Motley, but Ruffin McNeil. I think, Josh, Eddie and I both, I don't know how much you knew of Ruffin McNeil uh, before now. I'm going to play a little something here. Uh, it's like planting a tree. I want to make sure I plant trees so, so for years from now that tree will keep growing. I mean, the wisdom coming out of this man. Here's the biggest difference, I think, between the Bob Stoops era, and you saw it a little bit Saturday at Media Day when Lincoln Riley's talking about a dog on a porch. Like, that's so... Texas. That was so Mulshu. Yeah, that was so Mulshu. Like he's so Mulshu. That was awesome. Like, and then you get you get all the stuff from Ruffin McNeil, which I think he is from North Carolina. Rich, I'm almost sure uh, he grew up there. But you know, like he was he was he yelled this out at Oboronqua at one point, who was clowning around. Obo, quit trying to get me off camera. <laughs> I, I saw you. That was hard right there. Not hit. How how long has it been since? You, have you ever heard anybody call anybody a knothead in person before? Uh, I that I actually literally think that was the first time I've ever heard the word knothead. So, <laughs> besides like it may be in a movie or something. But like this is no longer like Bob Stoops. I think his one of the things he said one time that like his Youngstown wisdom uh, was I didn't just come in on a log, and. Like I remember Barry Trammell was there. It was it was one of those deals where we talked to Bob after the day after a bowl game. And I think this was this was definitely in New Orleans. I believe. I'm trying to think what it wouldn't have been after the Sugar Bowl or maybe it was. I but what it was is like I guess these guys in Ohio would ride down the rivers on logs. And they were just like, you know, like scavengers and I think I remember this. vagabonds and stuff. 
think I remember that a little bit. But nobody knew what it meant to ride in on a log, and everybody had to start looking it up. But like that's that's the folksy wisdom you would get from Bob Stoops. What we're getting going to get from Ruffin McNeil is just we've never seen anything like it before. Can you see the Pelinis like riding shirtless on logs throughout <laughs> Youngstown? I actually could. Because one of the first times I ever saw Bo Pelini when he was coaching here, he was pulling out in his SUV from Arby's just completely shirtless, <laughs> like one of the hairiest men I've ever seen. Just got a, a $5, uh, the $5, five for five. He's driving around Norman without a shirt. That's the, that's the way I SUV. like my Pelinis. Any type of like way that you, ha- you think about the Pelinis, I, I think that's the way I like seeing them. I will say this, Ruffin McNeil has more acronyms in him, I'm sure. Like, yes. he dropped one on us yesterday. It was this one. I'll say the word Fido. Forget it and drive on. Fido. Forget it and drive on. It's, uh, it's, it's very obvious, I think, just within the, the first two sessions of interviews we've done with Ruffin McNeil, uh, why the players have all come to pretty much love the guy, it seems like. I mean, I, you talked to Neville Gallimore. You talked to Q Overton. Uh, any of those inside guys, they seem like they ha- he has really made an impact on them just as far as a personal level, and I think the football stuff comes next. He also has an ethos. Yeah, y'all heard my ethos is earn, not given. Earn, not given. That really, like, driving home, I was thinking, like, do I need to come up with an ethos? Like, <laughs> am I failing at life right now? You are. I think we are. After you talk to Ruffin McNeil, I think you feel like you're failing. Like, you're just not, you could be doing more. Yeah, I, I think so. I, it's very obvious why Lincoln Riley called, gave him his first phone call and got him in here. Uh, Josh, I, I know you weren't able to hear that, but you've heard a little bit of roughing me. I know you've seen Eddie's videos and things like that. Uh, it, I thought it was really interesting, too, because he talked a lot about technique. He's very, he seems very passionate about you know players and technique, and which is kind of like Jackie shit, but I don't ever remember a coach, Josh, at Oklahoma that is, I mean, maybe you could go back to like John, you'd have to go back to like John Blake and just, you know, the way he talked about kids all the time and he wasn't a very good head coach. Better not hug Stalker McDougal after uh, three false starts. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's the only frame of reference that I have is, you know, defensive line coach that uh, says a lot of things, you know, wisdomy things. Or I think with Blake, he wasn't that wiz- wise. But uh, I, it, I just haven't ever seen a guy like this, Josh, at OU. I, I think it's obvious. You know, listen to you guys talk. You know, we talk about, you know, Kerry, your man crush on Marcellus, or, you know, kind of going down the list of all the guys that we kind of individually like. Is this our first coach crush for you guys? Like, this feels this feels like it's moving – from a first date into, you know, like this could be something special between you all. It almost feels like Carrie's cheating on Mike with his brother. <laughs> like his, with his defensive brother. I don't Carrie, know that I'd, any, I'd, any I'd, comment? I don't know that I'm comfortable with that analogy. <laughs> like everybody, I don't understand. Like everybody thinks that Mike and I have this you know, super tight relationship. We just, we're just, we get along. You're bros. I'd say you're bros. I have still, I, to this day, I've never gone out and like had a beer with Mike Stoops. Uh, I don't think, I mean, just interview bros. He always goes to you first, so I'd say that there's something there. 
We'd, l- we'd like love Terry to have Lynch, Mike on the podcast to discuss. Here's what it is. Like, his wife is a really big fan of our morning show because she's told me this. And we go after Traber a lot. <laughs> so she Which, loves that. You know, I, I said it the other day on the radio show. Like, it's really bizarre because Mike refused to talk about freshmen individually and I guarantee the reason he did that is because Traber ripped him up and down for praising Stephen Parker when he was young. <laughs> Traber's just a really easy guy to rip, though. As a former bully, it, it seems like you, it's a, it's a you perfect... You were a, form, a former bully? Yeah, it, it, he's a perfect guy. Former? To, he's a perfect guy to bully because you can, you can bully somebody so much that they'll just take their ball and go home, and he does that every time. Who does? Traber. Oh. Well, I don't know. We just, we kind of. I think you can go at Traber and guys like him because you don't have to feel bad about it. Like, you don't feel like you picked on the, like, the helpless little kid. Like, you picked on a guy that picks on other people, and that's okay. Like, you know, like, it doesn't, you don't have to feel guilty about it the next day. It's like picking on Cartman from South Park. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of, I've kind of compared, like, Mike Stoops to, like, Joe Pesci. In in uh, in Scorsese films, like one minute you're joking around with him, the next minute he stabs you in the neck with a pin. <laughs> he, he he just was... he can go from zero to one hundred. Like you remember that day that we were at South Grand Prairie, yeah, and uh, I I'd, I'd mentioned something about. Uh, if like I said, is Tim Kish going out to Fresno or something like that? And he just started going off on me about Caleb Kelly was his guy, and he was, and and nobody else's, and 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 like he's screaming at me. And all these recruits are standing around. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then he just stops, and he smiles, and he goes, "I got you." Like he was pretend yelling at me over nothing. It's odd. And I gotta be honest, I almost peed myself. It's very odd. <laughs> but he's very Joe Pesci. It was it literally was so you so I amuse you, so you think I'm a clown. Just that's, be glad that he didn't that's make his you, sense of humor. Be glad that he didn't make you dance, shoot it's, at your feet. It's well he shot spider eventually. <laughs> I was it, gonna say, are you more afraid of being spider or uh Maury? I don't want to be the guy that got his head put in the vice and his eye popped out in casino. Oh, that's nothing good. Although probably, in my opinion, of all of Pesci's films, I, I would go, I would watch Casino more than any other. Was he craziest in Casino? Yeah, because I think it, like he in was the scariest, others, like drug implication. Like he was scary in Casino. Like you were scared of him. I don't know that I was really. I mean, you knew he was a psychopath in all of his movies. Like Goodfellas, he was kind of a. You know, he got murdered in that one. So, spoiler. <laughs> you know, Spoiler alert! If you don't know that they were, getting, they fake made him, and took him to a house with plastic on the floor, and then he see it and he go, oh shit, yeah, then, something like that, yeah. And then somebody hit him in the back of the head with a shovel. It was right after well, they took him to go eat with his mom, isn't it? No, you guys are you guys are crossing up some movies. Casino is when they drag him out to the cornfields, and they they've, they've already got a hole buried for him. Yeah, they club him in the back of the head, and he falls in the hole. Um. 
Goodfellas. Oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Is, is where they they're faking that they made him, right? And then he shows up and they knock him off, right? God, so I'd again, spoiler alert: we're, we're killing two. If you haven't seen these movies, even what you've told you, stop what you're doing, which includes listening to the podcast, and go watch Goodfellas and Casinos. They are and Casino. They are fantastic movies. What's the one I'm leaving out? Is there one I'm leaving out? Yeah, and I'm trying to pick it out too, Carrie, and I can't. It's between Goodfellas and Casino, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one in there, and I can't. What? Um, oh, damn it. What is it? Uh, <laughs> I keep wanting to say my cousin Vinny. Like, I have to get it out of my mouth so I won't actually say it in a, in a serious answer. Um, oh, hell. And awesome podcast to listen to on So, that anyway, uh, you can think about that. Uh, but back to, like, Mike Stoops. Here's something else that I kind of thought about it, too. Like, Mike definitely... Is you know can be Mister Scary, and you know we've seen him after practice. Kind of, it's kind of like you know it's he kind of jokes around about it, but he also is kind of scary. And talking to Ruffin McNeil, I think it's now that you talk to him, I think it's a fantastic pairing because Mike's going to be up in the booth calling the plays. Ruffin's going to be down on the field. Working with those defensive linemen, he can work with the linebackers. I mean, he can he can get with the safeties. I mean, he's he's a guy that's motivational. I mean, very. He he is going to reach a lot of guys, and I think like Devonte Lampkin. I said that on the board yesterday, and I think somebody else even said that before I did. But like that's the per- Ruffin McNeil is the perfect coach for somebody like Devonte Lampkin, who obviously needs a little motivation. Needs some motivation, but it sounds like he's found it. And I mean, you that I was blown away when he's like, I had to go back and actually listen to the audio before I put it up on the board about him talking about how Lampkin's the most powerful player he's coached in 37 years. It's insane. But you know, I thought that was kind of the what we got mostly out of yesterday. Uh, you know, we saw some guys sitting out like John Michael Terry, uh, which. You know, if you're talking about Kenneth Murray and Josh, we were texting about this yesterday uh, in our in our war room. Kenneth Murray is more talented than John Michael Terry, but he's had a year in the system. And I just always thought if you asked me at the beginning of camp, what's going to start? I'd say, well, John Michael Terry will probably start the season. And, you know, Kenneth Murray will make a play for the job as the season goes along. But if he's hurt for any extended period of time, it, you know, kind of like Caleb Kelly. You want to get the most talented guy out there, get him some reps, take your lumps a little bit, but you'll be better in the long run for it. I don't know how you feel about that, Josh. I, I do. And, you know, we, like you said, in that conversation we were having, I think yesterday was the first moment that I said, I think Kenneth Murray's going to start the opener. Like, I, I think that that's, that's the trend I'm seeing. And like you mentioned, Kerry, which is, a you know, a, a really good point, it wasn't really even part of my thought line but it only adds to it if John Michael Terry's sitting out that's uh, it's going to be really hard and for me and it's it's probably because I'm a recruiting guy I probably I have that background and so like I, I kind of see things skewed towards projection more than you know current ability but when I look at the two Kenneth Murray is a guy that has a little more upside in my opinion though I think John Michael Terry is a better prospect than he gets credit for um but at the same time, I think Murray has a little more upside. I think he's a little better fit 
in the Big 12 where it's about motion and movement. He's going to be dropping in coverages and doing a lot of different stuff. And As he's played John safety, Michael's so. a big, burly guy. You know, so yeah. it's it's I, I think Kenneth's just a little more natural fit and it has a little more upside. And if all things are equal from a ability to read and react, why, why wouldn't you go with that guy? That, that That's kind of where I come out on that. You know, it's bizarre as I was re-watching, kind of clearing off my DVR a little bit, so I was re-watching some of the games from last year. Isn't it amazing to think that their starting linebacker against Ohio State last year was Tay Evans? I was, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I was... I was going through Houston footage and I was like, number nine. Who Oh yeah, it's Tay Evans. Like that seems like three years ago. Yeah. That he retired really and all that went down. Of course the last three years seem about like ten just because of the whole Joe Mixon thing. It really does. It really it's it's hard to think that like even now watching Bengals clips, it's hard to think that he's like, Oh yeah. He was here for three years. Or four years, I guess. No, three years. No, three years. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. It how, seems like we how were... How different would it look, hypothetically, if Tay was still playing? Tay would be your mic. There's no doubt. Does Murray or Terry, do they kick over that Will and compete with Beal? I think so. Yeah, I bet Murray would be playing Will. Mm-hmm. I think that's his more natural and fit, I th- And I think Murray would just be Tay's backup. Or, or John Michael would be... Tay's backup. That, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But then, I, then it'd be a hard. It didn't, then it might be harder to move around Caleb Kelly a little bit. True, Kerry. Do you get a feeling that, like, say next year, Murray, they just slide him out when Beal graduates? I mean, because clearly they feel comfort level with Beal, so he's going to be there. People can like that or whatever. But do you think Murray kicks out and they, you know, they feel okay? Terry's ready. He can handle this now. And Murray can play a position that's probably a little more natural for him. Yeah, it's just, you know, is, well, with the way linebacker recruiting is going, (laughs) I would say definitely. Uh, But, yeah, I don't, I think Beal has more range than John Michael Terry does. Uh, Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be one of those things where Kenneth Murray Gets if he doesn't win the job, he probably gets kicked out to that spot next year. No, no, that's what I'm saying. If okay. they, even if Murray wins Mike this year, oh, I see. Slide him saying, to yeah. Will and let Terry take over at Mike. Yeah, that's it. I I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, that I mean, you know, again, barring some you know massive change as far as what linebacker depth looks like, I mean that that's what seems to add up to me. Here's the thing that's really bad is is for guys that come in early. Like Levi Draper, for instance, freshman, came in early, went through spring. It's like and he was sitting out yesterday, but he's 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 a ways away still. I mean, just strength wise, size wise, he's just he doesn't look like everybody else. He's kind of the run of the litter. But at the same time, you've like you've already seen him in spring, and nobody really talks about him. And it's all of a sudden because these kids that get here early, like our expectation level jumps so much further forward. Like I have to catch myself saying, "Well, it doesn't look like Levi Draper is going to work out." But then you have to say, "He's a he's a true freshman still." Yeah. There's a there's a lot of guys on the roster right now that are kind of in that mold. I, I'd consider you know before yesterday, I'd consider Lampkin kind of in that mold. It's like 
it feels like he's been here for a while, but when you really look at it, he's only a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Uh, there was, there's other guys like that, though. I'm just, you know, Chance Sylvie's kind of like that in a way. Seems like he's been here for, for seems like he should be a senior. Yeah. And, and Mike oh. was really complimentary of him yesterday. On the flip, I was looking at it. I don't, like, it's one of those things that I knew, but I don't think I'd fully processed it. Dimitri Flowers is a senior. Yeah. That, that is great. Like, I can remember doing his commitment interview. Uh, Tiffany and I were driving to, like, San Antonio, and I pull over at some nowhere, you know, kind of hotel, and I do it in the parking lot so I can actually sit there and talk with him uh, with Tiffany sitting next to me and Laney in the back seat. So, like, I can remember that interview like it was yesterday, and now he's a – it just – I don't know. Like, every year these things th- feel like they speed up for me a little bit more and more. Um, but yeah, so I, sorry, that, that was just a random thought that kind of hit me last night. If you're not an OU fan, you probably think that Dimitri Flowers is the same person that was Trey Millard and that that guy has been here for eight years. (laughs) It's just the same guy that they keep running out there every year. Well, I mean, Ripkowski's the one hiccup. I mean, like you go back and it's a lot of like JD, JD, Dimitri. I mean, there, there is you hate to draw the obvious physical comparison, but there's some, I mean, like there is some obvious lineage there between those guys. Dimitri is, I would say, I mean, Trey Millard had his purpose. I mean, he, he, he ran the ball. Well, certainly ran it more like JD was probably the best blocker out of all those guys. The most physical, he definitely was the most physical. I mean, he put up some video the other day, I forgot how many people's helmets he would knock off. Like, they were just that. helmets flying everywhere. And, you know, Trey was more physical just as a runner than he was. And he was a good blocker. But, like, Ripkowski, he, he obviously is a very good blocker. He probably shouldn't be running the football uh, that much for the Packers. But, I don't know. I mean, Dimitri's been, I would say he was pro- he's probably the most versatile out of all the guys that they've had in here. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I I think he's very underrated for what he does just nationally. I mean, I think there's a lot of people around here respect him and know what he does, but it's like when you listen to Lincoln Riley or any of the offensive coaches, it seems like a lot of what they want to do is kind of not based on Dimitri Flowers, but just his ability and I guess versatility allows them to do different things with him on the field. And they've talked a lot about you know Jeremiah Hall and, and yeah. getting him ready to go for when he's gone. So I mean, it's just going to continue. Hey, one thing I wanted to bring up uh, in this, uh, you know, is is a big discussion about the wide receiver position. And, and I asked Will Johnson yesterday, you know, who is really everybody? You know, I, I pose phrase the question. You know, everybody's talking about wide receivers. Baker Mayfield's tweeting about receivers. Uh, yeah, I wish Baker would say something about his wide receivers. <laughs> Uh, and, and so I said, you know, you're a DB. Who's really impress, impressing you? And the first thing he said was the Florida guys. And my head was like, oh, the Florida crap. Uh, and he was talking about Marquise Brown and uh, uh, who's the other guy? Badet? No, I mean, he's uh, Kentucky. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff Badet. Yeah, Badet's from Florida. Yeah. Uh, he, and those were the first two guys he mentioned. And he said, when those guys line up, the first thing in your mind is back up because these guys are really, really fast. Like for him to say that, that's played two years of football, let you know that 
it, I think it surprised me more about Bidette than it yeah. did about Brown. That that uh, little Sooner Sports piece that they put out, the video, I think is only like a minute and a half long, but that was kind of eye-opening on Bidette, just the way that, I mean, every guy that they interviewed, Jordan Thomas was pretty much saying, he's kicked my ass all spring, or preseason. Wow. It was very interesting. And that was the other thing, like, he also talked about, I need to pull up the quote, uh, but he also talked about... Uh, he talked about Michael Jones at the end saying, uh, you know, this was, you know, this is a guy that's really starting to step up. And you just get the sense that since Michael Jones found out that he was going to have to be the guy, it's like it's making him work harder. And I don't know, you know, some guys just need something to spark. And it sounds like he's he's been sparked a little bit. Uh, Michael was a very good interview on Monday, I thought. See, I didn't get over to talk to he him. He was very. I, I don't think that you. He's not short on confidence, but he didn't say it in. A, it didn't come across in like a cocky way. He said he wanted to be an all-American, which you know I think a lot of people kind of laughed in the back of their head at it. But it, you know, at the same time, there was a lot of people that weren't thinking about Didi Westbrook being a Blitnikoff winner last year at this time of the year. And I'm not saying that uh, Michael Jones is going to win the Blitnikoff by any means, but I think that. There are a lot of reasons to think that he could really have a very good season even without Nick Basquane. I mean, that's kind of his spot right now is that inside wide receiver position. And I think that uh, you saw him get a little bit of a taste of of uh, big-time Division One football last year. And I think that, you know, it's only going to help uh, going into this year. Why am I seeing... Uh, I'm sorry, I got a funny text message. You know, I, and here's the thing about the young guys and, and, you know, Josh, I know it's, for you, you've seen some video, and I think maybe you said, okay, I see what you guys are saying about, you know, did we have that discussion? Like, like you said, okay, I can see what you guys were talking about, about how skinny they, they look compared to everybody else. Oh, yeah. Um, we did a little bit, you know, I think that always happens to me. You know, I, one of the best examples I can think of, and you guys can, and I'll do this briefly, but you guys kind of touched on Levi earlier. Well, you get so used to seeing Levi and you see him in Tulsa 5A and you're like, wow, he's a great looking kid, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, then I got to Army Week and you see him out there amongst all the other freaks and you're like, wow, you know, I mean, he, he's got some work to do, you know, and uh, most, the, the best example I can provide is seeing him next to Jacob Phillips. Jacob Phillips, you were like, that dude could play next year. Like, yeah, no yeah. doubt, no question. He's physically okay. Levi, you were like, nah, you know, I mean, we'll see what, I mean, maybe you could have thought he was going to do what Kenneth Murray has done. But, I mean, that that's kind of what we were talking about. I mean, that's why Kenneth Murray is such a weird situation. Because Kenneth was, if you ask me who was bigger as far as heavy and just bulk last year at this time, I would have said Levi by a mile. And now he's nowhere near as big as Kenneth. The uh, what Will Johnson said uh, is uh, he, he talked about the Florida guys, as we said, Marquise Brown, Jeff Bidette. He said speed is coming. He said those two guys definitely. He said I believe Jeffrey Meade is the sleeper guy, and he said that he has a talent that he's so unorthodox that it's hard to cover him because he because what he does in his routes. And then he mentioned Michael Jones, but. Um, see, that's the thing that I, that I'm concerned with about Jeffrey Meade when we start talking about 
becoming the guy. Like he is unorthodox. He's he's tall and he's skinny. But is he a guy that is he a specialist type receiver? I mean, he, to me, Jeff Bidette is more the guy that you can you know rely on. That if I'm going to throw the ball and I have to pick somebody who's most likely to be open, like Jeffrey Mead's not always going to be open. Yeah, but he may be the guy that can. He he is the guy that can catch the ball in a crowd. I think. It, it's hard to say it, but and it, it's kind of almost going against what D.D. Westbrook proved last year uh, in being that kind of that deep guy. But I think that you're going to start seeing Bedette, Brown, Andrews being those top three guys, and then Meade's going to sprinkle in that big play every once in a while. I I agree totally. Is that I mean no? I but I do think that Jeffrey Meade can be a guy that you know. I think he can be a guy that you look back on a game. It's like, you know, Meade made that a good catch on that third and 15 that they needed. He also caught the touchdown on the same drive, and he was the reason why they won the game. But at the same time, you know, three or four other guys combined for 13 or 14 more receptions. I'll say this, too. To me, it just becomes more apparent, even though guys are impressed with him, it becomes more apparent that that's the receiving core that we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, I think CeeDee Lamb and Charleston Rambo could get some some reps here and there. I definitely I think we're past the point of they're gonna, you know, maybe not contribute. I think they're contributing for yeah. sure. But I don't see I mean, there's just no way those guys are starring. You're yeah, you're you're when it's when you need to go on a drive and you need to put receivers out there, I think it's most likely gonna be Bedette, Andrews. Mead, and then if you have a, I mean, what's going to be weird is this offense could take Joe Mixon, motion him out of the backfield, and he was your second best receiver. Yeah, they don't have that anymore. So how is Lincoln Riley going to, you know, is he going to do more single back stuff now? Is he going to do more four wides? What's what's his what's his play, basically. We don't know. I think that kind of the caveat to all of this is a healthy Mark Andrews. I, I've said it before, and it seems like I almost have a man crush on Mark Andrews, but he's he's a very solid guy, I think, when he's healthy. But I also think they like... I'll tell you this. It wouldn't surprise me if Grant Calcaterra leads all freshmen and catches this year. Yeah. Especially if Andrews gets banged up, because I don't think they're afraid of putting Calcaterra on the field. Certainly doesn't seem like it early. I mean, every time you listen to people talk about him, it's how great his hands are and how he just never drops a ball. Or do they go the opposite way and just go heavy a lot, just try to run people over with the offensive line? That would be smart. I mean... I told somebody last night they should take it. I think I stole it from somebody on the board, but they should just put a sixth offensive lineman out there and then just put Kyler Murray in the in the Wildcat and just go go at it. We're gonna block six. We're gonna have six guys to block. Try and tackle them. What if you did that around the goal line? Oh, Almost I think turn that into like a like a belldozer package, but with a guy that's a a more capable runner and b a completely uh, it's completely within his bounds to drop back and throw a pass. I I think that they should. I, do I think it. that'd be lethal. The thing is, I mean, Kyler's fast. I mean, he 
is like we're talking about these fast. yeah scary fast. You're talking about pounding him, you know, on the goal line. Oh, we're trying to break him. Yeah, sure. no, I, I want to get him out in space. I'm not talking yeah. about running a package like like where you're running in between the tackles. Like, I want him running like speed options with Marcellus Sutton or something. You know, like something yeah. where well, you're see, getting I think, him out on the edge. I think with that offensive line, you mm-hmm. might just be best served to go Wildcat. Yeah. Because Hell, let Dimitri Flowers take a snap. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could do that too. Get somebody big that just pounds it in. Or, you know, have have Jeremiah Hall in as a blocking guy. Yeah. And let Dimitri take the direct snap. Sure. But in that vein, guys, I mean, is there is there just no buzz that Kyler Murray is gonna find some way to be on the field? Like it's really I, I it's I mean it's a good it's crazy. a good point, but it, it's something and I've thought about it. And I th- I think I'll ask Lincoln the next time we talk to him, but tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, Friday. yes. Uh, there's got to be something. There's got to be something. He's well, just too talented. Yeah. He's just too talented. I I don't think that there's any way that they can go the entire year. And it, it's kind of like that. It was the big question coming out of spring was, you know, is he going to move positions or anything like that? And I think we finally have decided that's not happening. It, uh, mm-hmm. But I do think that there is no way that they can just let him sit on the sidelines the entire year. And it's almost it's almost crazy to say that, you know, I, I'm i not advocating that they take Baker Mayfield off the field, but they have to find a way to get Kyler Murray on the field. I mean, here's the other thing, too, about the offense is we've seen it since he's been here. Lincoln Riley likes trick plays. Yeah. Bob oh, Stoops yeah. like trick plays, too. But... Is, I mean, Lincoln doesn't have any buffer now. Like, if he wants to run five trick plays a game, he's going to run five trick plays He'll a game. He'll do it. So, that's, to me, that's really interesting. They have what I, go, go ahead, ahead. Josh. Well, what I was going to say, what I think is kind of interesting, will we see Oklahoma do what they used to do, which is you wouldn't see any preamble to some really aggressive play calling or some formation or some personnel grouping until the big game, you know, like for, forever, Carrie, you know better than I do. They would wait until Texas and then they would drop in, you know, the spinner or Chioki on coming off that corner blitz that one year that would just kind of threw Texas for a loop. Yeah. Does Oklahoma just say we're not showing anything or do they show it in game one and let Ohio State think about it? Like, I, I'm real interested you know, to see I think, how I think, they go with that. Yeah, I think Lincoln is the kind of guy that he has so much offense that I think he might he might be more to me he seems like a guy that would be more willing to throw out crap that he knows he's never going to use again just to screw with Ohio State just to make you work for like prep for it yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think so too well look back to the the Houston game they tried <laughs> the throwback there with uh, flowers down the middle I think Didi threw the ball yeah uh, one of their the most successful ones that they've played in it might have been the exact same play was the Iowa State when they were backed up in the north end zone. And he's uh, also, and I'll tell you this, Lincoln has probably been looking at film, looking at tendencies for Ohio State. He's probably got four or five trick plays, and he's probably got something he's going to run early against them. Yeah. And I think but, that you almost have to in a And it might not like even that. be a trick play, but like just like that pass to Joe Mixon down the middle of the field against Houston last mm-hmm. year. Like There's something that he finds in a defense that he exploits early in a game. But what do you do against the greatest defensive line in the oh, history no. of the NFL or college football? <laughs> I mean, uh, what what game plan can you draw up for that? That's 
<laughs> That's still one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Shiano that said that? He's yes. ran, he's ran yeah, out of I wood mean, to chop. The guy has skins on the wall. He's been around a lot of great defensive line. People like get up in, air about, uh, get up in arms about the, the Buccaneers aspect of it, and I get that. But that dude coached at Miami. Like even if you just left out the NFL part and said this is the best you know D line group I've been around, dude, you were at Miami. That's that's no joke in itself. So don't I mean I think I was thinking about this earlier this week. That may be the best matchup of position groups you'll see all season. Oklahoma's offensive line against Ohio State's defensive line. I mean you're talking about a gaggle of of NFL guys on both sides of the ball. Would it not just be smart? For Lincoln to go in there and just pound the ball, yeah, take run clock. That's why I I almost wonder how heavy they are going to go just for the whole season, just to keep it you know keep it close until you could. Well, gotta take and you it have at the an wire. easy way to do it. You could double like have Ford as your right guard, have Samia as your quote unquote right tackle, and Bobby Evans as your tight end. Go with so you don't the, really uh, have anybody playing a weird role. Who was it? Uh, who was the offensive quarter at San Francisco when uh, Harbaugh was there? Uh, the OC? really big, yeah. Uh, see, like, oh, um, yeah, oh, his. But see, like Harbaugh was doing big at Stanford by not having other, you know, by taking receivers off the field. Like he'd have one receiver on the field. Like when he got to San Francisco. Whoever uh, Greg Roman, Greg Roman, yeah, he actually would put in more offensive linemen, and like that was a twist that that he added to. Foy does that. Josh might stroke out. They have enough oh, offensive linemen. Eddie knows me. That that I mean that like that's like dream. football porn to you, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Like I. I, I've said it before. I can watch Stanford play football all day, every day. I love the way that I. I just love when they get power and they're running power. You know, uh, can you can left. you imagine? That's can you body. can That's you cute. imagine this? Okay, so Eric Wren lines up at center. Now, on one side is Ben Powers. On the other side is Drew Samia. On the other side of Drew Samia, let's say is Creed Humphrey. <laughs> On the other side of Creed Humphrey is Bobby Evans. And then you go, I mean, you got all these guys, Alvarez, I mean, Humphrey. Cody Ford. Cody Ford. I mean, it's ridiculous how how many people you could put on that line if you wanted to. They have just an abundant, I mean, I, that's why it's like, when you think about it, this has to be the, the best group or collection of eight or nine guys that has ever been in the Lincoln-Riley era, obviously. Oh. But well, I mean, it, going back to Bob Stoops and even 20 years, you know, back to almost the Switzer days, or isn't it? I think as far as depth, it's the yeah. best you're going to see since Switzer. I and mean, there's I just, don't know that OU has ever had a freshman offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, since Bob Stoops took over like Creed Humphrey. Yeah. I mean, guys, they look like with Hayes. If Hayes is as good as I think he is, I think Robinson can be really good. Uh, and Humphrey, I mean, you're you're talking about maybe a two deep of starting interior offensive linemen that are, I mean, even into a kind of a three deep that are going to be NFL guys. That's that's, I mean, now obviously crazy stuff can happen. One of these guys will get injured. One of them won't be what we think he is. You know, I, I get all that. But 
I mean, that's just a lot, a lot of talent, and just in three spots on your offensive line. I mean, it's just it's crazy what they're doing. Um, I'm trying to. And drop then next things. year you throw Tremonda into it, who, if he can have his stuff together, is an NFL talent. So I mean, it's just they're they're just reloading. We have we have broken out the whiteboard in studio, and we are drawing <laughs> X's and O's right now. I'm trying to come up with a lineup here. I'll do, Orlando Brown, Cody Ford, Ben Powers, Eric Wren. Um, uh, if you're gonna put Powers and Ford on the same Samia, side, you gotta put yeah, Samia and then Bobby. And Bobby. I mean, you, that's you know what's scary about that is everybody will say, "Oh, well, you could just run all day behind that group," and you could. I mean, I I, I get that thought. But you force Ohio State to go man outside. Yeah. And then you get Jeff Bidette and Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews matched up with a linebacker, you know, uh, down the seam. Like, you're getting matchups you like in the passing game there, and then it's up to your, you know, receivers to beat a, a young Ohio State secondary. We've just turned in this podcast into the biggest nerd out ever. Like, <laughs> oh. we're designing yeah. plays for Lincoln and formations for Lincoln Riley on offense now. Somebody needs to CC them to him. Need to yeah. get these in in Riley's hands before the Ohio State game. But I mean, see, to He's me, to me, that is your wildcat. Yeah. I mean, I don't know yeah. that you can you know put Baker out there behind center. You could. Do you need to? I mean, it's it's one of those things that you probably just don't want to take the don't take that chance early. But you know, by November eighth, maybe. By I mean, that's the end that of the is, season, maybe. That's an extra offensive lineman. <laughs> We're nerding out here. Orlando, Cody Ford, Ben Powers, Eric Wren, Samia, Bobby Evans. You still have Jonathan Alvarez and Creed Humphrey available. Yeah. On the bench. It's really a disservice that it's not going to be snowing in Columbus. Are we going to have Creed Humphrey actually standing up like as a flex tight end? And he- <laughs> He'll be split out. <laughs> He could though. That's probably the crazy you thing is he's split, athletic okay, enough. Okay, now okay, Lincoln Riley. Here we go. Here's another example. We're going to split out Creed Humphrey, and next to him will be Jeff Bidette. or Marquise Brown. Like, can you imagine like two a corner and a safety out there on Creed Humphrey? <laughs> you, you, it would be interesting how you'd have to script the play because. You, you would have to make it to where the safety in the corner would have to come to Creed. Like, you don't want him trying to track those guys in space. Yeah, I mean, they... Yeah, like I said, so you'd stupid. have to think about it, and you'd have to have a really patient runner, because he would have to... I mean, obviously, this is never going to happen, but it's just to completely football nerd out. I mean, so. I, I'm, I'm, I know, like, Lincoln Riley, he's a football genius. He's not sitting around in his office, like... He knows what could and couldn't. I don't know. Maybe he is sitting around his office just coming up with formations. I mean, like, who the hell came up with Ninja? Was that Spurrier? Was Spurrier the first? No, that was... Is that um, a leech thing? Or, or that how was mummy? mummy? That was Mummy. Okay, yeah. Yep. It, it, I think that's right. I, I'm pretty sure Mummy was the first one to do it. But didn't, didn't Florida do a spring game one time where they only played three offensive linemen? It wouldn't shock me, that dude. I mean, that's to me, that's what the – more than – especially more than defense because defense has to be so reactionary and you can't be that crazy. But on offense, like, you look at the really great offensive minds, they're the guys that are willing to try anything. Like, we'll, we'll do anything 
to try and make something work. And invariably, they're the ones that create all kinds of, you know, just chaos offensively. You know, I, I was reading, I, I think it was Sports Illustrated. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Andy Staples that did it. Uh, it used to be that Travis Haney would do the anonymous coaches stuff mm-hmm. on ESPN. Uh, he was one of the guys that got let go, unfortunately. He was really good. Travis is a really good dude. Um, but Andy Staples was doing the anonymous uh, thoughts on the top 25. It was really interesting reading like what coaches said about Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. I, they gave Oklahoma State a lot of credit for talent on defense and their defensive front. But the thing that I noticed in there that said the same thing about uh, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and what you hear a lot is the challenge for defenses and guys playing defense is no longer can you just make a play, can you stay with the receiver, can you knock a pass down. The real challenge is they have to run so many different defenses and formations to confuse these offenses now. Like, I would say more than half the battle now is just learning all the aspects of a defense. And that, to me, is what's changed most about college football over the last 10 years. Just because there's so many different types of offenses or different formations and styles. You can't, which I think the general fan thinks that you can just line up four guys, uh, sometimes blitz your linebackers, and play, you know, bump and run coverage man to man all over the field. Yeah. Like that's just not realistic to think that you're going to win a football game against a really good offense like that. Is that because an offense will just do one thing over and over and over again? Well, look at Baylor. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they would find one thing to do and they and people thought, well, they're just playing off of them. That's, you know, they're just giving it to them. Yeah, they were because if they played bump and run, they'd just run past Julian Wilson. Yeah and the game would be over really fast. But now you've got to play man, you got to play zone, you got to change your front, you got to go odd even. I mean, hell they they've got they've got the best player on their defense is playing two different positions when they go to a nickel defense. That's Caleb where Kelly. that's where it'll be really interesting to see what kind of actual influence a guy like Ruffin McNeil has on Mike Stoops and just and different ideas on how to cuz he's been around it. I mean, he was he kind of talked. He alluded to it yesterday. It was just the fact that he was around in the early two thousands at Tech when it was kind of the forefront of all of this. So he has an idea of not necessarily stopping it, but he definitely has an idea of you know different qualities or characteristics that you're going to need to have in a defense to be able to give yourself a chance to even stop it. Well, you know, he did a decent job at Tech as a defensive coordinator. The 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 thing was, he didn't have to come back and prove it the next year because <laughs> he got that ECU job. So, I mean, and he's been a career position coach, you know, before that. So right. He was a defensive guy. I don't know that he was ever a defensive coordinator before that year. The year he that he was w- at Tech? Yeah. He was, Kerry, and I'm, I, I didn't know it until we were talking about him earlier and I was looking at it. I think it was at like UNLV, I want to say. Let me see. Um, He was defensive coordinator at Appalachian State, and then he was D.C. for one year at UNLV and then one year again at Fresno. And then he moved that that one – after that one year at Fresno, he started at Texas Tech and was there until, what, 09? Well, that's – and that's the thing. I see all these posts on the board. 
when will Ruffett McNeil replace Mike Stoops? Like, Mike Stoops has been a defensive coordinator forever. Like, Ruffin McNeil basically has, has been, at, at a high level, he's been a defensive coordinator for a month. And then he got a head coaching job. And I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm just saying, people, take a, take a chill pill here. I mean, it's not like Ruffin McNeil was known as one of the best defensive coordinators in the country before he became the head coach at ECU. And he wasn't the defensive coordinator at Virginia. He was a position coach. I think Mike Stoops is just at the point where it's like he could do they could have a top 10 defense this year and there'll still be people that come out and and try and bash him and say that he's forgotten how to coach football like there's some people that just think he goes out to practice and throws up on himself for two and a half hours it feels like which couldn't be further from the truth yeah it's it's just he's just become the 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 whipping boy well, Tim Kish is the true whip. <laughs> I think say how much do you think of the ire towards Mike? is derived because Tim is seen as his guy. 70, all, uh, yeah, I mean, 80%. almost all of it. Yeah. And, guys, I mean, we but don't you know what? Kerry Cooks, lot, but... Kerry Cooks is his guy. Nobody has any problems with him. Yeah. And especially when the secondary gave up 700 yards to Tech last year. That's true. I it, it, it That's one of the things that's more inter- interesting to me, and I think it's because he recruits well, so he at least has that to kind of fall back on. But at the same time, I mean, you look at his last class. I mean, Justin Broyles, in-state guy. Trey Brown, in-state guy. Trey Norwood was a late grab out of Arkansas, three-star guy. Robert Barnes, OU legacy. I mean, you kind of like – it's not. And I, don't get me wrong. I think Kerry Cooks is a very good recruiter. I think he's very uh, – the thing that sticks out to me is how well-prepared he is. Mm-hmm. Whether, like, almost instantly you can see the wheels turn. Like, this yeah. guy doesn't go to OU – Okay, we're going to offer this kid. Like it's it's quick and it happens really fast, and you can tell it's because they had a plan in place for it. I think he's so really I, good. He, he's he's not a miracle worker. I mean, he did yes. he lost Jeff Akuda. He let you know he mm-hmm. lost Maiden to Alabama. I mean, yep. There have been some really big kids in the re- and he's a Dallas guy. So yep. there have been some yep. big kids in the region that if you're an elite recruiter, that doesn't happen. He. You know, and, and it's it's interesting because he took some of those guys away from Oklahoma when he was at Notre, at Notre Dame. Dame yeah. I, one of the big ones, Grant Blankenship, the defensive man out of the colony. He was a big part of that recruitment. And OU thought they had a pretty good chance at him, and he ended up signing with Notre Dame. Now, he didn't do anything, so it didn't end up looking like that big of a loss. But, I mean, he can do it in Dallas just so far with the exception of guys that were, I don't, I don't want to say easy pulls because recruiting's tough. I get it. But, I mean, they were guys he should land. Um, now, I think the problem with Kish is there's been some guys that he probably should have landed that he didn't. I mean, it's just been a disaster. I mean, uh, the, the the Sean White thing, I mean, to me that was a sales job that you had to be able to make. I mean, yep. and it, you know, I, I think, I don't know if, you know, it was his mom that really was a determining factor, but all the things that that OU had going for them that A&M didn't, somehow A&M made them all positives for him. You know, having a guy already recruited at his position that's ranked higher than he is. Uh, you know, not having an open spot. I mean, all the things that OU had, they just didn't do a very good job. So, I understand SEC, all that stuff, but if you're OU, you have to find a way to sell what you have 
It can't always be about the SEC. I think that becomes a crutch at some points. Like, you just, oh, well, it just goes to the SEC. Well, man, like, you're recruiting plenty of other positions just fine. Like, you, you know, you went and got Jakir Daly last year. That He had plenty of SEC offers. And, and you went and got him not not out of Dallas. You got him out of Florida. Michael so, I mean, Jones like, had a lot of SEC offers. Michael Jones had a lot of SEC offers. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. So, I mean, it can be done. I think it's just a... If things don't go the way it should, well, a kid just wanted to play in the SEC. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, that's true. Some guy, I, I talk to guys, and they're like, yeah, you know, Oklahoma's nice, but the SEC is, you know, really where I've always seen myself. Okay, there, you, you can't reinvent the wheel. I get that. But I, I think a lot of times that just becomes an excuse instead of, you know, we could have done this, we could have done that. Because you can blame it on a lot of things. A&M offered White like a month before Oklahoma did. And even this summer... I would get the feeling OU wasn't sure how they felt about Deshaun White. And if I'm feeling that, the kid's feeling that. Like, you know, there, there's no way he's not picking up on some of that. Anything uh, anything new developing on Asamoah? It's really weird how quiet it's gone. Like, this time last week, it felt imminent. You know, it was 24 hours. He was going to announce on Friday. He was supposed to do a, you know, I think he was going to do a video thing. And then he just he called you know our guy Josh Hemholt in the uh, the Midwest called a couple other guys I know and was like I'm just I'm holding off I'm not going to do this right now, and then he has to my knowledge hasn't spoken to anyone since, so I don't know what's going on with him I know uh, last Friday he did a um, a FaceTime with Oklahoma I think he spoke with Lincoln Riley probably Mike I mean you know you go through the usual suspects. And from everything I can understand, OU felt good about it, but at the same time, they felt pretty good about Deshaun White, too, and that thing flipped about three or four times over the last 48 hours. So stuff just it, – it, it seems like at linebacker, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And that's why everything I'm told makes me think Asamoah is going to go to Oklahoma, but everything I've seen tells me he's going to go to Pitt. See, if that happens, I mean, it's just like – I'm going straight to the the bunker. I might not come out until January. I I mean, I literally think if that happened, Lincoln Riley would have to debate whether or not to replace him mid-season. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's any way this time next year we're still talking about Tim Kish as the linebackers coach? No. I don't either. I don't and and I don't necessarily think it's because he's going to be. I, I'm sure you've heard the same of the same stuff. I've heard you know he's getting close to, you know, kind of wanting to be done with all this. But for everybody that wants to think like Kish doesn't work or that's bull. The dude does a lot of recruiting. He works at it, and he he's obviously a very good. He's a very good coach. Yes, but when it comes to recruiting, and look, you I recruit as a staff. I understand that, but. Man, they just—I mean, maybe Ruffin will help him with that, but it—it it hasn't helped so far. I mean, and and you do—you recruit as a staff, but at the same time, it's not coincidence that the same staff members keep landing guys at their positions or keep not landing guys at their positions like that. So you can say you can say that Bill Bedenbo does a great job because the staff recruits. Bull! It's not coincidence that he keeps bringing in great offensive linemen. Well, like, here, that that. Here's something you notice. You notice too, and this is not indicative of anything other than it being interesting. But there are certain guys that I noticed, you know, because 
we follow them, they follow us, that are very active on so like every night, like every night Ruffin McNeil is retweeting stuff or liking stuff. Uh, every night Dennis Simmons is usually that guy. Every night uh, uh, Calvin K- Thibodeau is usually Cooks, in that. Calvin Thibodeau's in yeah. that. I mean, those are guys that are working it really hard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even Mike Stoops is making more of an effort. Yeah. Yep. But have you ever? Do you ever get an alert that Tim Kish is doing this or that? No, you, I you don't. But you know what's also funny? Think about the last time you got something like that on Bill. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I and I, I agree you just with see, your premise, but you they're just all see, outliers. Yeah, you just see Bill and those guys. I don't know if it's a, a thing in the office where like, hey guys, can we retweet some of our stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It's Every like, once in a while you'll see them kind of run through a few motions, but Bill's not. Like, I wonder sometimes if Ruffin McNeil sleeps. You can't mention that dude, whether you tag him or not, without him finding it and retweeting it. Yeah. It's been very impressive. I I I have been shocked just how active he is, I guess. I've I've got a man crush. It's my first coach man crush. It's not a bad one to have though. Uh okay. Otherwise recruiting Josh, kind of just catch us up on on where things stand right now. It, it you know, that was something that we kind of overlooked last time we talked on the podcast that, you know, it is weird. Everything's a little weird. Summer school, all that stuff. Summer school's hurting some programs by still being in session, but uh a dead period during this time, which is really strange to not see recruits on campus. Well, that was the worst part because somebody, you know, I, we talked about it in podcasts. I said, well, I don't really see anybody coming in. Well, I was right, but it was just by me forgetting completely that they'd made some changes to the calendar and the guys can't even come in right now. So it, it wouldn't, it, it couldn't happen anyway. Um, and, you know, I think that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say. I mean, say. coaches should be able to concentrate on their teams. This time uh, of year, high school kids should no be able to concentrate. I mean, I, I think for the most part across the country, uh, high school players are practicing, aren't they? I mean, they are here in Oklahoma. I know they probably are in Texas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mo- most places they are. There are still some outliers. Like in Texas, there's the rule. Like in Texas and five A and six A, you have the option of if you want to go. If you don't want to have spring practice, you can go a couple weeks earlier mm-hmm. in the fall, I, I or you can that. spring practice and wait a little bit in the fall. So you can kind of do that any way you want to. So that that you know kind of leaves it to be kind of an open field. But yeah, for the most part, everybody's running, and I like it. I think it, I think you guys are dead on these coaches. They've got plenty of time to talk with these kids. They can go home and you know DM them or text or you know whatever they need to do, and then. While they're at practice, they get to be there at practice instead of, you know, let's make sure the four-star over here feels the love from Baker Mayfield or from whoever, which also goes into the players being able to focus on what they're doing. So um, I I like it. I think as far as kind of catching up on recruiting, the first thing, I've had a lot of questions. Chris Robinson, his transfer, I don't think that's going to affect quarterback recruiting at all. I don't think they're going to suddenly go after a 2018 guy because, A, it's going to throw you in a weird spot with Tanner Mordecai, because whether things have changed or not, I'm sure he was told, you're going to be our quarterback in this class. So you go get another one, well, then does that make things weird in that relationship? And then also, does that make things weird to Spencer Rattler? Because rather than trying to catch up with one quarterback, he's now going to have to play catch up with two. So I, I just I don't see that happening. I don't think that's going to be a big issue. I don't think they're expecting any further transfers. So then you're going to have, you know, I, 
from you guys could say better than me, it seems like they like their backup quarterbacks, the two walk-ons, as far as those guys can run them through practice and do the things they need them to do. Yeah, and we even noticed Connor McGinnis at autograph day was still on the team. Yeah, so I, I don't think there's any huge urgency. Running back, they're done. Wide receiver, they're done. Uh, offensive line, uh, God, I almost whiffed on this obvious one. Daryl Simpson's going to actually announce on Saturday. Um, I, I think Oklahoma's in really, really good shape there. I think he will pick Oklahoma on Saturday. Um, that's kind of been my expectation. He's a you know another one of these mountainous Bill Beefo kind of guys. I mean, he fits in perfectly with what Bill wants to do. He'll probably kick over the right tackle. You know, be be the future opposite of Bray Walker. I'm sure is what the plan is for him. Uh, Ruben Unige, we talked a little bit about, I think, on the last podcast, but he continues to talk up Oklahoma. I think right now it's kind of between Oklahoma and Florida for him, like it was with Curtis Dunlap, but the difference being I don't think he's a take for Florida right now. I think Oklahoma may literally slide into a Rivals 100 offensive tackle, which just doesn't happen. So I think that's a great scenario for OU. Um, Defensive tackle still kind of up in the air as far as what they want to do. Um, if they're going to take another, if it's going to be a JUCO guy, I think they will take another one. I think the question of is is what what kind of guy are you taking? Are you taking a JUCO guy? Or are you going to go the high school ranks and go after a guy like Trevor Trout? I think that's still up in the air a little bit. Um, a defensive end, it's just a matter of somebody pulling the trigger. Daniel Carson, Ronnie Perkins, Bobby Brown. Oklahoma's right there with all of them. Uh, I think particularly with Perkins and Carson. I think either one of those guys, if they committed tomorrow, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I think Perkins will take a trip before he can do anything, but I still think Oklahoma leads there. At linebacker, we've talked about it. I don't don't have a great answer. Um, Asamoah is the one guy. The one I will say that should give hope to uh, to Oklahoma fans is Raymond Scott, the USC commitment. Uh, we actually talked to him at the uh, at the Rivals Five Star in Indianapolis. Um, a big time, really athletic guy, probably a pretty natural fit as a will, in my opinion, um, and is a a guy that though he's committed to USC, and that's pretty much usually a done deal. My feeling is that uh, from people I've talked to is that Scott has picked up that USC is not as invested in him as he may be in them, and that's what's causing him to look around. He came to OU on his own dime this summer. I think he'll come back for an official. And, you know, if that happens, I I would say it's probably a coin flip right now if, if between OU and USC for him. Uh, Sorry, I know that was all. No, no, that's good. Uh, you know, I thought what was interesting is Ruffin McNeil basically said, yeah, freshmen still need a year as far as defensive tackle guys. Yeah, his interior guys especially. Yeah. So that, you know, Tyrese Lott – uh, M- McKinney. Who am I forgetting? Uh, let's see. You are forgetting. You got McKinney. Uh, well, you got Famatu, but he's not like that. And then Troy James is yeah, the other. Troy one. James is like I don't know why, but like every class now that I've gotten older, there's always one guy that I'm just like I forget that he's even in the class, and he's that guy. Is is it? Is it a Louisiana thing? Is that what it is? It's kind of like that receiver. Who is the receiver? It's like Courtney Garnett was kind of like that. It's like yeah. just kind of always forgot about him. Who's uh, the receiver that went to La Tech that they basically said? Uh, oh, oh uh, Adrian, Adrian Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. 
kid from Houston. The, the one is bad for me to admit it because I'm I'm the recruiting guy, but Ryan Jones is the one I I always forget he's there. Yeah, um, and and, and it sounds like he's actually bit, doing yeah. some good things. Now he's but. been. To, I mean, that's going to be interesting. We we talked to Will Johnson yesterday just about the concussions and things like that. It's 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 a real deal. I mean, he's had some serious concussion issues. I mean, remember he sat out most of the year, didn't come back, had all that time. Uh, for the bowl game, didn't come back for the bowl game. Even I was thinking, you know, it was just a matter of time till you know announced that his career was over because that was besides Tay Evans. I mean, well, Charles Walker was there. Somebody else? Oh, Daniel Daniel Brooks. Daniel Brooks. Yeah. So it was just like there was this massive string of guys with concussions that were giving up football, and I just thought Will Johnson would be uh, would be uh, included in that group. Now he's a starter. I mean coming into this season at safety. And I really think just getting away from playing in the box is going to, you know, going to be good for him, but it's something you're going to have to watch all year. Eddie's you know, ignoring what I'm talking about. I can tell. No, no. You, no, I thought Josh was going to say something. I sort of Google a little bit. Have we heard anything on Charles Walker? That, that got me thinking. He's not anywhere. I don't think, I don't think so. I think he got cut no, by the Eagles and then, yeah, he got, and then they pick him up for like two days. The, like it was nothing. Yeah, the Saints. He got a tryout with the Saints. And the next thing you heard was the Eagles picked him up, and he was there for like two days, and then he was done. I mean, it's just it's sad. It was maybe one of the worst calculations of like future life that I've ever seen. I mean, it was it 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 was bad. I mean, it's was that. I mean, I hate to harp on the subject, but was that more of his decision, or was he just getting just terrible advice from somebody, or some from a group of? I think ones? his mother, he and his mother, kind of came to that decision, mm -hmm. uh, and just, I mean, to have it in your head, like I only have so many concussions left, I got to stop playing so I can get to the NFL. Like that's just not clear thinking. <laughs> it's like a. This might be a really bad example, but that's like a pitcher having a really good junior year and he can't or sophomore year and he can't be drafted until his junior year and just saying, I struck out 130 guys. I'm not pitching this summer because but, my arm only has so many throws. Yeah. On. Yeah. So call me back in about six months. I'll be ready to play, even though I'm not going to play. I don't and know. It just, so it, that, it just seems like, like a, a terrible. Ter it, was, it was a terrible decision at the time. It's a terrible decision now. And doing so at say like LSU, right, uh, right. as a bait, like somewhere where the spotlight is bright, you are going to compete for a national championship, and you're just going to walk on. Your, I mean, I, I always wonder what bothers teams more: the concussion issue, if, if you know, depending on how serious they think that is. Because I think we all have a little bit of a, a jaded outlook on that. But even if they take that seriously, are they more bothered about that, or are they more bothered about him walking out on his team? I I have to think that walking out on your team is like I, I a, a big big no no. Those are football guys, man. You don't do that in foot. Like, and we talked about it at the time. He didn't have to leave the team. Right. No, he, he could have been, been like, on the sidelines. Right. Exactly. Been to games. Exactly. All that, but he just bailed completely. Well, and I think it would be looked at totally differently if he'd handled it that way. I think almost in his view, though, that I think he explained that by saying, you know, I had to go home. I'm going to take care of my daughter. 
but I, you know, I think there's some teams that probably that definitely rubbed him the wrong way. And I'm sure those were two teams that brought him in just to say, okay, if this guy's really a freak, we'll take a chance. Yeah. Probably had a couple of practices and they're like, he's nothing special. Yeah. Send him on his way. There's too much baggage. We're not gonna we're not gonna spend time with this guy in our locker room that could be a cancer paying money to develop him until he's you know, what we need him to be. It's just this time last year we were talking about him being an all American. Oh yeah. I mean that's how quick the it's narrative ruthless. can change. It's a very ruthless sport. They will find you can be great at something and they will find somebody else that's even better and they don't have to worry about. Uh, okay, uh, I think we should start winding down here. Do we need to... I, I definitely want to make a statement regarding young Edward Lawrence Radosevich. <laughs> uh, look, we, you know, when things happen that you know, are bad... Josh and I get pissed off. Eddie did make a really big mistake in going after Boomer 145. Uh, look, and we've made an edict. Like, you know, it's always fun to kind of point at OU fans that cross the line, you know, whether it's just horrible arguments or they're just. You know, it's like a bad caller to a radio station sometimes, but they're online and they can keep posting. So, no, they can't be put in check. And so, we've just made a rule like we no longer are going to say negative things about OU fans, no matter what your level of fandom is. I mean, what Boomer 145 does, it's, it's a new day, it's a new age. And I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying not to be, you know, the guy that's stuck in my ways. And is not capable of adapting and lets the world pass me by. I'm trying not to be that guy. And I can I'm I try to be open minded about that stuff. Yes, it's an NCAA violation. No, we cannot be involved in it in, in any way, shape, or form. I can't I can't give Boomer one four five money for a new laptop. That's Ill, what he's doing in the eyes of OU. And and realize this too, like everything that I do, I know people talk about credentials and you know, not wanting to lose your credentials. Like, I have never, as bad as things got, like, between John Hoover and Bob Stoops, especially after he called for his firing after the uh, Russell Athletic Bowl that year, like, I don't think, maybe, I've never asked Hoover this, but I don't think OU has ever threatened to take away his credential or anybody else's credential. So, I mean, that's hogwash. don't Don't ever bring up, well, you won't do this because you're afraid of losing your credential. And I guess I just made fun of an OU fan there. Uh, but, you know, what I'm saying is we do have to deal with the administration. We do have a name, a brand. It's not always represented the best online. We fail sometimes. You know, but being involved with contacting recruits and to convince them to come to OU, like, that's the golden rule. Like, we cannot do that's a cardinal rule. We can't be involved in that. So for us, you know, yes, we've kind of looked our nose down at people that are doing that because it's in the world we live in, that's bad. But it's changing. Like, you now see coaches liking and retweeting, like, stuff. I don't know if he – can they retweet stuff from, like, Boomer145, Josh? 
I believe they can. I don't think there's any limitations. Yeah. On so, it, so if they I put get up the, a, the coaches would love him. Yeah, yeah they, it makes sense. I mean, and the coaches in their world now it's changed. Like the NCAA has lost control of this thing. So everybody's just going to do it. There's. I don't believe that there's ever been a recruit deemed ineligible because of Twitter activity. I haven't heard it if it, if that has no, happened. None to my knowledge. No. And that is the power that they do have. Like if they if they just and I don't know, I'd be curious to find out. Like has OU ever sent a cease and desist to Boomer One Four Five? Not OU, but like their compliance department. And it wouldn't shock me if they have. I mean, so I guess what I'm saying is, look, Boomer One Forty Five is going to do him. He's not a loser. Eddie, I, Josh, we all sent letters of apology to him. It was wrong what happened. I don't, you know, and like we're not some huge corporation. I think because we do a good job and we're pretty decent at putting out graphics and we take good pictures, uh, we do really good video with Eddie. Like I think in people's heads, we like have like a hundred people working at Sooner Scoop and like we have these big offices. There's three of us. I mean, we're doing a podcast in a really nice studio. But it's in my house. I mean, this is not... I'd love to have an office. I mean, that's something I still think will happen at some point. I want to grow. I w- I'd love to have 100 people working at Sooner Scoop. But we're not some big, you know, soulless corporation. It, it, we're, we're a bunch of knuckleheads. Not heads, if you will. And I set a horrible example for Eddie Radosevich as a boss. Because I just got done fighting with Vite Magazine last night on Twitter. So, yeah, what I'm saying is, it's not cool. I'm not saying this because it's affected our business. To be honest, it hasn't affected our business at all. If, if anything, it's brought more eyeballs to our business. It's, it's probably got us more traffic. We should probably be dicks more often. It doesn't really seem to... It seems to attract more people. But... We need to have more respect for OU fans, regardless of your your fanaticism, whether it's against NCAA rules or not. That's not our business. We don't want to be in the business of shaming anyone. Just do what you do. Well, maybe the guy who is asking people if he can have their kids at autograph day. Like, there's going to be some... No, I guess we can't even do that. I think even even some of the most ardent OU fans would, would get behind Well, that they one. would, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't be in the business of shaming those people. Even if 99% of OU fans think he's stupid. Now, like, if you're an OU fan and you want to show your, you know, passion by, I don't know, taking all your clothes off or something, I mean, nobody's supporting that. There, There is a line. But I don't, Josh, I just wanted to throw that out there. I know you, you know, you're, you're a big part of the site. Uh, you are, you know, a co-publisher. So anything you want to add, feel free. That is that is our apology to you, the Sooner fans that were offended, to Boomer145. Uh, it never should have happened. I've told Eddie that he's banned from fighting from Twitter. Look, I can ban Eddie from Twitter, but it's it's camp right now. It's it's it would be more it would be more hurtful. To OU fans that just want information, great videos and stuff like that, it's it, no, it's it, there's not going to be a ban. Trust me, it, it's been handled internally. Josh and I, I'm 
Eddie will tell you, he did, he did not have fun with Josh and I browbeating him over this. Right, Eddie? No. <laughs> Even right now, he's just sitting being quiet. I have nothing to add. So he's told that he's not ever going to act like that toward a Sooner fan again on Twitter. And just fighting in general, stop it. So, yeah, for me, you know, I think it's more when it gets really personal and singular. Like we, when we, like doing the pod, we might make a joke about some crazy OU fan, but it's a very general, like, oh, you know, start Kyler Murray, screw, you know, like, and and it's usually going to be an extreme exaggeration of something we've seen or heard or whatever. And I think. That's just us goofing around like that. That's not I, I've never had anybody come back to me and be like, that was too far. That was mean. It's when it gets personal. Like and, and, and I and I like you said, I talked to Boomer. You know, I, I feel like we we definitely tried to extend our apology, have tried to, you know, do what we can. I know there was some issue with us not saying something publicly. We've now spent probably 15 minutes of our podcast, which I don't know about for you guys. It's one of my favorite things we do every week. I, I love the pod. So to spend my time on this, I hope, is some sign of, hey, we mean this. This is not something we want to be – this is not what we want to be about. We're, we're three kind of obnoxious guys. We don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. That's never the intention. Like, it's just – I think sometimes – we're like anybody else on Twitter. You say things that maybe to some degree you feel, but they're an extreme exaggeration of where you really stand. Like, I might say, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard. I don't have a list of the stupidest things I've ever heard. It's just, I think it's dumb. You know, like, that, that's not, and I think like everybody else, we fall into those traps, we make mistakes. Like Kerry said, we're three guys. We're not some big corporation. We only represent ourselves. There's no, you know, we don't have to have any kind of legalese on our Twitter page that this does not, you know, represent the thoughts of Soonerscoop.com because, frankly, it's never mattered. So I, I think that's, it's very easy for people to forget because we've all been around so long. We've done all this stuff for so long that there's a feeling that there's this big black hand behind us. And there's just not, it's the three of us doing what we do. All right. There goes your, uh, your apology, especially boomer One Forty Five. You know, I, and I think we forget sometimes we're used to being on Twitter. We're used to people coming at us. You know, we've all developed kind of thin, thick skin, but, you know, people who aren't in the limelight, I mean, Boomer145 has a lot of people that love him on Twitter because he makes the edit. So uh, I understand, you know, when something happens to you that's very hurtful uh, and we apologize. So there you go. All right. Uh, any any last business here before we get out of here? Eddie, any, any thoughts that we haven't put out there about uh, talking to people at spring practice? No, I don't think so. I just I'm really interested in the running back situation just as far as, you know, we spent 20 minutes talking about how great the offensive line is going to be and, you know, I looked it up earlier this past week is the fact that a little concerning for Rodney Anderson right now. And it's strange. I mean, the non-contact jersey is definitely kind of weird. He wasn't out at practice on Friday or Thursday we know he's when missed we went two out there. practices for yeah. sure. Just yeah. not participated at all. There's I, I, I'm just interested in, you know, I think that even Josh talked about a little bit, him coming out of high school was his, uh, you know, he had some fumble problems coming out of high school. And I think that, you know, he obviously hasn't played in two years, so you don't know where he's going to be in that. But 
Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan were so good at holding on to the ball. Yeah. That shit never came up. So, I mean, the th- I looked it up, and Joe Mixon had three fumbles. Again. He lost three fumbles all year last year. They are all in the Texas game. It was a bizarre game. Samaj had one, and it was, I believe, in the Oklahoma State game last year. So, uh, you know, those are that's you can count on one hand how many times a running back coughed the ball up last year. And I, that, I think that's a very overlooked uh, kind of item going into this year with the, the turnover at running back. Usually the only time Samaj Piran would fumble the ball is when his ankle got ripped apart. Yeah, like when he got hurt. Yeah. The only like big fumbles that he had were both in Bedlam, and he came up, and I think you know the one in 2014, he actually had to be carried off the field. Yeah. I think that ended his season, or 2015, excuse me. But no, you're right. I, I, I wish I could have said that I've seen a lot more because, I mean, the only thing I no, really... it was 2014. More from the running backs because you know, the only thing we've really seen of Trey Sermon is what we saw in the spring game. And him going over bags in practice. Yeah, and him go, I mean, I've seen a little bit more explosion out of Marcellia Sutton in my eyes. Um, I mean, Abdul Adams, they rave about him so much that you have to think that he's doing something. I mean, he might end up being the best back on this team. I don't think there's any guarantees, regardless of you know how big he is or how impressive physically he looks, I don't think there's any guarantees that Rodney Anderson is definitely better than Abdul Adams. Yeah, I don't think so either. And, you know, you, if you listen to the coaches, everything that they've said coming out of spring, carrying it over into preseason has been the fact that he had the best spring out of any running back down there. Yeah. And he's carried it over. So And he's healthy. And he's very healthy. And he catches the ball really well. Better than he better than he did when he came. Baker said that he couldn't catch a cold when he arrived on campus. It's a terrible autograph, though. It's a terrible autograph. Is it even bold at this point to think Abdul is going to be the starter on day one? I don't think is it's that bold. bold. I don't think it's bold. I'd I'd probably just side with Rodney because that's kind of the flavor of the week. But I mean, when the guys, he has some serious questions about staying healthy. He kind of has the the same questions that uh, that. Uh, oh, who am I trying to think of? Uh, I, I guess I'm just thinking of Rodney, but Demarco <laughs> Murray had a lot of unfortunate injury issues. Yeah, yeah, he did. And a lot of weird stuff too. He tore his hamstring from the bone. Kind of similar body types too, if you think about it. Kind of long-legged guys. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And I never thought about it till this minute, but there is some there's some connection there. Although we we talk about. Rodney Anderson and injury issues. I saw a uh, Instagram video of him dancing on a table yesterday in the locker room. So he was that when they were singing Chris Stapleton. Yeah, he can't be that hurt. I, I that's what I was going to ask you guys. I wondered if there was something I had missed, and all the you know, obviously you all are there, so you see it better than I do. But is there uh, have they addressed it at all? Like, oh, we just feel like you know, if we can keep Rodney, well, we have if we can save him some hits, we want to save him some. We hits. haven't talked to the offensive coordinator slash head coach in a week, so uh, I think gotcha. that'll probably be a question that comes up tomorrow on Friday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. definitely, if we're out there and he's wearing a green jersey again, then yeah. you're really going to be like, because he was. I mean, when we say he was fully dressed out, just like everybody else, but yeah. he just had a green jersey on. I, I think it's also one of those. I wonder deals. if the non-contact jersey color has changed. Yeah, maybe. I I also think it's just one of those deals that for the you know we're in the what eighth practice of the year. They don't they don't want a guy to get hurt in the first week or the second week of practice yeah. and then put him out for the year. I mean, I think it's okay to take some of these guys slowly. 
Well, especially a guy that it's not like Rodney Anderson's learning the offense. He right. knows what he's got to do. He knows his roles. It just, I mean, God, is there any guy on the roster that's probably taken more mental reps than he has? Uh, one last piece of business. Uh, Eddie, Ro- Eddie has spawned a uh, fake parody account, which we talked about last week. Very odd. Uh, Eddie was very troubled by this. It's it's strange to me that he's so troubled by this. No, I was just troubled by people starting Twitter accounts with my actual name on it. Yeah. I don't care. Weird. I don't care about fake names. But like you do know that we know that's not you. No, I know that, but Joe that just reads Twitter for his OU news doesn't know that. It's true. And the guy that, you know, calls to the radio station to ask what time the OU game is going to start and is it on TV doesn't know that. Yeah. I like how you're bringing up questionable fans without ripping them. This is a I love trend. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> ELE. But, uh, ELE. Uh, but I think it, the account might have some promise. It looks like someone that they've made up a fake me too. This goes back into last week, though. Has, if, you start a, if you start a fake Twitter account, you're probably not very funny to begin with. So, But there are exceptions to the rule. There are exceptions. But so I, we're watching. This doesn't have uh, Bo Pelini, faux Bo Pelini on it. No. We're watching. We're, we're, we're judging. We'll see where it goes. I don't know if I'm even following him yet. Oh, I won't. But he's tagging me a lot. He said he did. He, he does seem like a big fan of the podcast, and we do appreciate that. All right, so there you go. There's there's your news of the internet, new Twitter news of the day. So thank you to Eddie Radosevich. I'm I apologize that we had to shame you publicly. No problem. Uh, there could be something big coming up with Eddie, and, but I can't talk about it yet. In that terms of uh, something out at practice. Oh, I had a dream last night about this, and I'm. It'll I would have to be. A I'd teaser. be lying if I wasn't saying I'm nervous already. There's a teaser, and usually me under any type of pressure, nerve situations, I shit myself. Really? So, yeah, it's not going to be good. And maybe I'm now just trying to psychologically get myself prepared for victory. So, so like, we'll even see. if like you go to a bowling lane and you need a strike, like yeah, I don't, you'll just gotta ball it. I don't bowl, but if you need me to make a five foot putt to win something, I'm I'm apologizing already. I'll buy you. Really, a you get the house. yips, huh? Yeah, that's interesting about you, Eddie Rodosovich. Uh All right, well, maybe I know where some of the pain comes from now. Uh, Josh McQuistion, thank you uh, for joining us as well. Uh, sounds like you have a lovely weekend planned. I have an awful weekend planned. I will be not only watching my three-year-old, but sitting another three-year-old for five days. Is this so, another? It's a boy or girl? Another little girl. It is Lainey's best friend. Her name is Kennedy. Uh, she will be. Oh, she'll be here in the next couple hours, and that she is. For everything that Lainey is chill and relaxed and calm, Kennedy is full energy. She like this is a little kid that could like walk at like nine months. She's I, and for those that don't understand, Eddie, I'm sure that doesn't mean anything to you. Lainey started taking like steps at like twelve months, and this girl could walk at nine. Like it's she, and it's just the kind of how she is. She is constant energy and constant motion. I am gonna sleep like a rock all weekend. I, I'm gonna I'm a 
I'm going to promise this just so it'll get done. Put myself on the clock. Uh, Sunday evening. Big news. I will be posting photographs on the site of OU's new facility, the South End Zone. We're getting a tour this weekend. Nice. So apparently they've gotten all the uh, all the wraps and all that stuff put up. And they're ready to give a tour. Uh, here's the other thing that I've never told anybody. I've already been in there. I've already gotten a tour. And I was sworn to secrecy. But I just broke it. I should say, can can we let it be known that we knew? I mean, since you already broke it, we we can break that you told us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you okay. go. Actually, it was. Uh, I was showing around. I, I don't know if I could tell. No, I'm not. I'm a. I'm gonna yeah. check. I'm not gonna burn anybody. We can talk about it. But next I took week. no photos. Joe Castiglione, so don't worry. There was nothing. Nothing leaked out. It's really cool, though. Even just what I saw, there were some things that had to be finished. Can you talk about skinny dipping in the hot tub? I cannot confirm nor deny <laughs> anything. By the way, they can make that, like, it doesn't always have to be a cold tub. Like, they can make it any temperature. They can make it into a hot tub? It, they can make it into a hot tub, yeah. They need to have hot tub recruiting parties. So, like, where that water With fall is and stuff. It's a really cool room. Like, you, it's like, like angels, a chorus of angels start singing in your head when you walk in there. Sorry, had a cough and drink at the same time. But no, it's it's the locker room is really awesome. Like I look at the Texas stuff, you know, their new lockers and stuff, it doesn't even come close to comparing. But I mean it's just really cool the way it's all laid out and I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing all the stuff on the walls and how it's more uh more uh, decorated and things like that. Everything that you've seen on Twitter and videos and stuff from the players looks awesome, so I'm excited to get in there. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us before I lose my voice as well. But hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, we'll be back again next week. A uh, lot more big questions. They'll have their first uh, official scrimmage by then. And uh, that's coming up tomorrow or Saturday. And uh, not sure how many updates I'll get from that. I know next week, like Lincoln Riley's going to start talking to us after scrimmages. So that'll be good, which we haven't had in a very, very long time uh, on the beat. So thanks again to Josh. Thanks to Eddie. I am Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next time back on the unofficial 40 here on Soonerscoop.com.